Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Not much needs to be said. It's week one, people. On pod. Like. A raven. Short, sweet, to the point. We know what time it is. There's no need for too much introduction. No need for window dressing. It's time to talk about the Ravens. It's time to talk about football. It's time to talk about actual games. It's week one here on Pod Like a Raven. And I am Antonio Barbera. Thrilled to finally have real football games to preview, to talk about, to analyze. We have some other things to go over as well. Roster cuts, those things happened, new addition to the running back room, and then some sort of fantasy football thing that I have not heard about, and my co-hosts are going to illuminate me on as we get into this podcast, so let's turn it now to my co-hosts. Let's start on the West Coast with Jace Evans. Jace, are you ready for some football? I am so ready for some football. Uh, It did sneak up on you in some ways. Thursday, uh, it's Tuesday as we record, Tuesday evening. Football's in like a day and a half if you're listening to this. So that's incredibly exciting. The NFL season is here. Uh, September is here. Fall is here. Uh, it's very exciting. Um, I've been well. I'm pumped up for football. Uh, I've been talking to Tim a lot uh, lately, uh, as uh, you alluded to our, our fantasy football thing. I'll let him uh, explain it a little more. He's been uh, making a few more picks than me, but... Uh, yeah, we've uh, I did uh, two different fantasy drafts in the last week uh, in the midst of a third, and uh, yeah, it's been real a lot of fun. Jace, you make a great point that it has snuck up on us a little bit. We're discussing the final roster cuts and who made the team. That happened in the past week, and it now feels like it was a month ago, uh, and everything has turned to just the games. But uh, yeah, we'll go over that, and I'm going to turn to to Tim Tim Horsey on the East Coast. I don't know what's going on to the listener. I'll give a little information here. Typically, we have a lot of prep that goes into this show because we want to deliver some good news to you. We outline, we discuss, there's the famous text thread, uh, and then pre-show, we do, we do a little uh, last-minute discussion. And there's some sort of fantasy football thing that is happening. I sort of, uh, I mean, famously, I'm not going to say famously, but I have not played fantasy football in the last several seasons. Um, so I'm blind to a lot of things that are about to be said, and I'm, I'm dying to know, Tim, First of all, how are you? Second of all, are you ready for Ravens football? And third of all, what? <laughs> yeah, there's a lot to unpack here. Um, first of all, I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. Second of all, I could not disagree with the both of you more about the fact that this snuck up on us. I have been staring <laughs> at a schedule until my eyes bleed, waiting for actual football to come. And you get to the preseason, you're like, this is cool. These guys are wearing Ravens uniforms, but this isn't Ravens football. And we finally get to the point where we're here. And as Jay said, as you're listening to this, you're most likely listening to this on a Wednesday. There's football tomorrow. And then you get that feeling of existential dread of the Ravens losing to Joe Flacco and the New York Jets. 
those familiar feelings are back. And we're, we're here, and I am ecstatic. I'm excited. Now let's go to the, uh, to the other side of this. Um, so yeah, Antonio, I will let you in on a little secret. Um, the UK Ravens, guys. Uh, uh, let me backtrack just a little bit. So Jace and I are in a fantasy football league with some friends. Uh, that draft was last Wednesday, I believe, last Wednesday or Thursday. And I had a couple people come over, and, you know, obviously Jace is on the West Coast, and we all, you know, had a wonderful time together. Just, a br- like, so much fun. Even the guys who weren't there just kind of going into the chat and stuff. And I'm not a big fantasy football guy. You know, this is it's a low-stakes league. It's just for your friends. It's fun, what have you. And I'm, I've primarily really only been a one-team guy. Like, I want to control one fantasy football team. They're probably going to suck. Maybe they'll be okay. They're never going to win. But I'm gonna. That's gonna be my team, and I'm just gonna focus on that. But I kind of got the bug, right? I kind of got the itch, and I was like, "Oh man, this drafting thing was so fun." I felt like, you know, I've been listening to a lot of podcasts around fantasy football. Just like, like you know, I'm not a massive gambler, but I love listening to gambling um, podcasts just to kind of get the ins and outs and stuff. And and so I, I got the itch. And as luck may have it. The UK Ravens guys, who I've been lucky enough to be on their podcast, if you don't know, uh, James Ogden, who does that podcast with a couple of guys, um, he, uh, he of this parish uh, once on our draft lead up, they hit me up and they said, hey, Tim, we are looking to get, um, we're looking to put together a fantasy football league with our hosts and guys that we have had on the program, guys and ga- girls, I should say, that we have had on the program to do a fantasy football league. Would you like to participate? I was like, you know what? I got the bug. Sure, why not? And they were like, it's free. It's just kind of a bragging rights thing. I was like, oh, even better because I'm poor. This is amazing. Sounds good. And I knew you didn't play very much, Antonio. But I figured I'm going to do this under the banner of Pod Like a Raven. I'm going to text Jace. And do you want to co-manage this team with me? Uh, first of all, thank God I did because this is what happened. Um, and I, I do not mean this, obviously. the pod, like, I know the UK Ravens guys listen to this podcast. This is not a slight. I honestly just think it's a, it's a funny thing that has happened. And it's, it's, it's nobody's fault that any of this has happened, obviously. Um, I just think it's, it's funny, and we're finally getting to the end. Uh, Antonio, we gave you a little bit of an insight pre-show that we are still drafting. We are drafting right now. The draft is going on right now. What you didn't know is that the draft started on Sunday. It started... <laughs> On Sunday at four o'clock Eastern, and we have we are still drafting. And as I look right now, live uh, it is five forty nine p.m. Eastern time on Tuesday as we record this. We are halfway, about halfway through the twelfth round of fifteen rounds. Just days later. So what happened? (laughs) We are forty nine hours in, almost almost fifty hours in to this draft. It started at four o'clock on Sunday, and. I think I think a number of factors here. Again, I, I just I'm going to preface this because I don't. This is not insulting or not an attack or anything. I frankly, it's gotten me through my workday today, so I'm kind of glad that it's still going. I'm not going to lie, uh, and I just think it's a funny happenstance because people are doing a lot of things. I know, um, you know, I, I don't. People are. I don't know how much information people want to divulge, so I won't do that. But people are out doing personal stuff, or you know, obviously people have jobs and what have you. And it was kind of on the weekend. And it was a. It seemed like we were one of the last additions there, and the draft came up on Sunday, and all of a sudden the draft time was set for 4 o'clock, and I had to call Jason and be like, hey, can you help out? I was doing some work stuff. Do you want to start like picking for us, what have you? And it kind of came rushed, and for whatever reason, and I'm not sure why, maybe it was to give people time because people are on holidays and certain things, which I completely understand. 
the draft time per pick. You know what? I'm, I'm not going to tell you. You have to guess. Uh, so, so usually, and I know, Antonio, you're not really a fantasy football player. Usually, like, ESPN's normal is 90 seconds per pick. Or I pushed it for our league, two minutes per pick. Antonio Barbera, I ask you, per pick, what do you think the, uh, the time of allotment is? Well, uh, first of all, I'm going to skate right past the fact that you didn't ask me for any help with this draft. And you just asked uh, Jay <laughs> Sevens and not myself. You, but that, you, know, told, that, me, that's okay. you that's told me you didn't want to play fantasy football, so I decided to not that's include true. you. If you would like to that's manage true. the team going forward, it is under the Pod Like Raven banner. It's well, got I a need logo to, and everything. I need to see the roster now. For No, I used to play fantasy football. I have stopped in the last few seasons. I, I just... Um, I love that we have a team. I love that the pot is getting represented. I think a draft should not take longer than the actual NFL draft. Like that should be some sort of rule for a fantasy draft. I'm going to say mighty close. I'm going to say an hour per pick. Yeah, try eight hours. Per That's pick too much. <laughs> eight hours per pick. I, I, and again, I'm not sure if it was an intentional thing. I'm not sure if it was a mistake. What have you? It's fine. We're we're here now. We're having we're having fun with it, and I'm. Excited to play with these guys. You know, it's like we said, it's, 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 we've mentioned Gaz on Twitter, who was probably one of the first people that started listening to this podcast, and we always appreciate that. The full pod like a Raven team, people like Cole Jackson, who I have referenced before on this podcast because I love kind of the breakdown stuff he does with offensive line. You know, he gets me. He, know, he knows exactly what I want to see on a football field. But yeah, we, we are currently, the, the draft got paused part, part way on, on Sunday night. Um, I, I was at the Orioles doubleheader on Labor Day on Monday, so I was making picks on my phone and texting Jace about, like, hey, maybe we should take this guy, whatever. So, yeah, again, we are in the middle of round 12 of a 15-round draft <laughs> with 10 people, 150 selections, and it started on Sunday afternoon, <laughs> and we are at Tuesday evening, and we are still picking this team. I don't think this – like. You know, I, I'm going to be optimistic. This, these, this league will be ready. But there is a chance that this league goes defunct because by <laughs> Thursday at 8.20 p.m., lineups are not set because the draft has not been finished. There, there is a chance of that. So, you know, it, it's just funny how it happens. We, we, were, we were, what, uh, the second overall pick in the draft, and we kind of knew about it. You know, we saw the time. We're like, all right, let's get ready. First two picks goes, and then the third pick, uh, with somebody that were like, I, oh, I, you know what? I'm driving. I set my thing to auto draft, and I think the app or whatever didn't set it to auto draft by accident. So that ticked down like four hours waiting for the third <laughs> overall selection. It was just, it's going to be fun. I, I mean, Jay's going to attest to it. I, I've been taking up a lot of the airspace here, so I'll throw it back to him. We're probably going to get our butts kicked because a lot of these guys are really, really smart and know what they're talking about. Um, not, you know, Jace does. I don't want to throw him under that bus. I certainly don't. Uh, but. It's, it's been a tough draft. Uh, with only 10 teams, I thought we'd be kind of in prime position, but we're on that second pick. We've we, you know, got to wait a long – usually when you're at either end of the draft – and sorry, I will throw it to you after this, Jace, I promise. When you're at either end of the draft, if you don't know, obviously it's like the snake draft process, so you kind of pick back-to-back -back almost, especially being the second overall pick. There's a lot of time to wait. I didn't expect this much time in between our selections. <laughs> To make picks. There has been some – there's been, like, a day to make a selection, which has been absolutely remarkable. So, yeah, we got a strong team right now. Uh, uh, Joe Burrows, our starting quarterback. Sorry, Ravens fans. But, you know, it's fantasy. But, yeah, yeah. Jason, I don't know if you have any other takeaways. I know I, I know I just spoke a lot there. But one of the most um, 
remarkable football things I've ever been a part of so it's, far. And the season hasn't even started yet. Yeah, you, you, I think you nailed it, Tim. I, it's hilarious. I, I think it's very funny how long this has taken. Like, at first, you're like, it's one of those things you're, yeah, yeah it's no one's fault, but you're like a little annoyed. You're like, wow, this is. This is taking so much time. But now that we're two full days into it, over... I'm 40, fully in now. 48 like, hours, yeah, I'm, I'm like, this is the funniest thing I've ever done related to fantasy football. I agree with you. These people are very smart we're playing in this league with because I was in both... Tw- I believe our league, the other league we're in, Tim's like 12 teams. But I'm also in a 16-team high school friend league, which is just ridiculous. But I feel like there's like less good players available in this ten team league. Everyone's just a hundred percent agree. Every sleeper is yeah. getting just getting sucked up. Everyone, <laughs> there, there's no Damian Pierce to be had. Uh, Isaiah Pacheco. So. Damian Pierce went in the eighth round. Like these people know <laughs> what they're doing, and it is frankly quite annoying for yeah, for, so, for this league for our purposes. So yeah. it's been very funny and a lot harder than I anticipated, both because of the unexpected. Uh, who knows exactly when you'll pick. Uh, since there is not a, a real set time limit of knowing you'll b- pick, you know, one minute apart for ten picks or whatever. Uh, so um, yeah, it's been it's been interesting, but it's been very funny and uh, a, a fun way to start the season. <laughs> I mean, there's a Brexit joke in there somewhere to be made with this, but I'm not I'm not going to touch it. Really, I'm yeah. just going to kind of move past it. But that's outstanding. Uh, I am <laughs> curious to know how our team shapes up. Uh, sometime next week. <laughs> let's go. Let's go live. You know what? We're gonna do it, Antonio, because you asked, even though nobody cares about your football or your fantasy team. But here it is anyway. So uh, yeah, after eleven picks, uh, Tim did a lot of the drafting today. I will admit, and we went heavy on receiver because there's not just a lot of good running backs towards the end, in my opinion. So second overall pick, full PPR league. We did not take Christian McCaffrey. Take you behind the curtain a little bit. Jace has him in multiple leagues. He said <laughs> we kind of came to the agreement. We don't want to deal with having McCaffrey play four games. So we took Justin Jefferson instead. Then Aaron Jones, Tyreek Hill, Ezekiel Elliott, George Kittle. I mean, George Kittle's the best. I'm just going to – I'm going to enjoy watching George Kittle play football this year, regardless of how many fantasy points he has. Joe Burrow, Amon Ross St. Brown, because, I mean, who's not drafting that name? Amari Cooper, I know, sorry, AFC North love, Devin Singletary, Alan Lazard, and Tyler Lockett. Uh, because Geno Smith can throw the ball, right? Like, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. And, uh, yeah, if, if it gets to a point where there are one, two, three, four, five selections to be made, or four selections to be made before our selection here, if it gets to a point where Jason and I are on the clock, I am cutting you off at whatever you're talking about, and we are going to make this selection live on Pod Like a Raven. What? Cutting me uh, off? What's the rush, Tim? We'll have an hour. <laughs> what? Eight, eight, hours. eight. <laughs> eight hours. We'll have the entirety of the show to figure out. All right, I love it. Uh, I have a hunch with that many picks that it's not going to happen uh, on this. Probably not on this no. show. Yeah, good chance it happens but, tomorrow afternoon. <laughs> but that team, that team sounds like uh, sounds like a winning team. It sounds like a playoff team. It sounds like the Baltimore Ravens, and that's what I look forward to as we pivot now and talk about the Ravens roster before we preview Ravens at Jets Week 1. We have some roster updates to talk about. Again, this happened in the last seven days. Uh, The 53-man is set. The practice squad is set. A couple of surprising names, and we're going to run through it. I'm not going to list all 53 players, but one thing that was nice that I want to address yesterday for us, Monday, Labor Day, 
52 of the 53 players were active participants in practice. And that is what you like to see six days before your week one game. A stark contrast from what happened last season. So that's a good start. Kenyon Drake just exists now for the Ravens. He is in the running back room. I would, I guess he would be the third running back at this point behind uh, J.K. Dobbins. Um, and uh, I've yeah. already forgotten the name of our... Mike Davis, who's probably Mike De- the rock week one. Uh, I was going to say Mike Smith, and no, that's not it, Mike Justice Davis. Hill's that's week one here. starter Mike Davis for you, yeah. <laughs> yeah, and Justice so, Hill's uh, still here, so... <laughs> and Justice Hill. So Kenyon Drake, yeah, added for a reason. And the reason is that our two top running backs are still in, let's say, major recovery <laughs> mode, but we will see how that shakes out week one. Uh, some other names. Tony Jefferson did not make the team. We knew he was released. We thought he was going to be maybe one of those handshake deals. Well, it was not one of those deals. It was a handshake, and thank you for thank you for being here. He has since signed with the Giants uh, to join Wink Martindale's defense. And then another name, Tyree Phillips, that we also did not expect uh, the Ravens keep 11 offensive linemen, but one of them is not Tyree Phillips, and he is gone now, and he is also on the Giants. Uh, there's a nice trend there. In his place, Tristan Cologne sticks. He makes it onto this roster as one of the 11 linemen. And then another name that we, I think we all had in pen as uh, on the cut list is Josh Oliver, who is going to be the team's fourth tight end today, and then fifth tight end, in theory, once we get maybe halfway through the season. So... We'll see how long Josh Oliver stays, but for now, uh, he will provide depth at tight end. Uh, And then some other guys who were released and then sent to the practice squad, cleared waivers and are on the practice squad. I'll run through those guys. Tyler Beatty, who is a surprise cut as a rookie draft pick, but is on the practice squad. Uh, Quarterback Anthony Brown, defensive tackle Isaiah Mack that we also had as sort of a bubble roster guy. Uh, Fullback Ben Mason, uh, offensive lineman Khalil McKenzie. The two outside linebackers, Stephen Means and Jeremiah Moon, and then we will be addressing both them and that position shortly. Uh, defensive tackle Rashad Nichols, wide receiver Makai Polk, defensive back Kevon Seymour, tackle David Sharp, wide receiver Benjamin Victor, and Raleigh Webb, and then the safety Ardarius Washington and the cornerback Daryl Worley. Those are 15 guys. They're still an open spot, so some other movement is going to happen. And boys, I turn to you guys now because there's a spot on the practice squad. That's open. There are seemingly a lot of spots at linebacker, and specifically at outside linebacker, that need to be filled. The Ravens going with two outside linebackers on their 53-man roster. Uh, You know, I have a couple of questions for you guys, but let's start with that one as it relates to this final roster shakeout. Um, How do you feel about the 53, and just how bad is that outside linebacker spot? I hate it. I mean, (laughs) if we're going to go to the outside linebacker spot, one of the things that this defense was so good at for a long time, thanks, you know, Terrell Suggs, was rushing the quarterback, and they've been, frankly, butt at doing that for a very long time. And now they only have two guys, uh, Houston and Adafi Owe. And I understand Ajabo, and I understand Tyus Bowser, and that's fine. But look, John... I know your brother coaches at the University of Michigan. And I know Josh Ross was this standout in camp. And he is a special teams guy. And Jim loved him. I'm looking at this depth chart right now. He is the 
fifth inside linebacker behind Josh Bynes, Patrick Queen, Malik Harrison, Christian Welch. We couldn't have given that job to Steven Means. Like, we couldn't have, you know, swapped those guys out. Josh Ross makes the practice squad. Steven Means, a guy who can actually rush the passer a little bit, at least it looks like in preseason, given that rush spot. I think it's a massive concern. Um, look, you always have to take risks. Uh, on this 53-man roster, there's always guys you don't want to cut. Um, you know, Tony Jefferson obviously being one of those. I think, I know he's on the practice squad now, but I think the Ravens do not love the fact that Tyler Beatty is on the practice squad as, as a, a draft pick. They don't like doing that. But to be that thin at the rush spot, just, it's a massive concern for me. It really, really is. And I can hear all the Malik, Har- Malik Harrison can play that uh, play some of that as well and we're not going to be in as many you know we're going to do three safeties so there's not going to be as many linebackers on the field what have you and I get it and I'm look the Ravens have a plan for it I'm sure they're not just going to do this blindly but getting to the quarterback is really effing important like pressuring the quarterback and sacking the quarterback as the old school guys here like to say not just pressures sacks I still find that very very important for disrupting an offense and I'm just going to say it. It doesn't look like this team is going to be able to do it again this year. Yeah, there's a reason defensive ends are like the highest paid players in the NFL that aren't quarterbacks. It's it's so important. And yeah, I I just don't, I'm with Tim. I, I don't see it. Obviously, you mentioned Stephen Means, Jeremiah Moon. They figured to probably be the very first people up out of the practice squad, if I had to guess, for game day. But that's still, you know, no offense to those players. If you're reliant on um you know practice squad guys to just have the minimum acceptable level of nfl depth that you need at outside linebacker you're in trouble and i think yeah it's going to be a long season like if one of odafe owe or justin houston who's 33 years old gets hurt that's a problem and like houston all credit to him he seems to be uh, uh, at least talking himself up for the challenge he said like you know, you pass out before you die, so he's willing to pass out on the field, like or whatever he said the other day. That's that's fine, but uh, we still, you know, if he passes out on the field, that leaves that one outside linebacker. So, um, yeah, it's a big problem, and uh, it, um, you know, it was kind of trending this way a little bit, certainly. Uh, but I, I think when you when you finally see the full fifty three, it's it's in stark you know, detail, it's in black and white, The it's set, you realize just how thin it is, and I think it can only, you know, dampen your enthusiasm a little bit to just know you're going into a season with just this glaring deficiency. So, a couple of things that I want to talk about with this position group. At first glance, I was terrified. I didn't like it. <laughs> uh, but there is, you did keep Stephen Means, you did keep Jeremiah Moon, and I just view it as like they're in the bullpen, and week by week, as they feel they are needed, they will be, you know, quote-unquote, called up to the active 53 uh, to play in, in a game, and if one of the current two starters gets hurt, then guess who's playing next week is going to be one of those two guys getting called up, so I, I think they've been, you know, relatively smart with the roster construction, I think they figured, um, those were safer players to release and then keep as opposed to some of the other players on the roster. So I think that's another reason that was done. And then just to, uh, boy, because I do this to myself, when I get concerned, 
I then look at numbers to convince myself that my concerns are no longer necessary. So, uh, look through Justin Houston's numbers, because we've all complained enough times about the four and a half sacks, uh, just not being good enough for a starting outside linebacker. And I'm going to just drive Jace crazy here. And I'm, I <laughs> did a little prep for this, and he's going to hate it. And it's like, what's bothering Jace this week is what I'm about to say to him live <laughs> on the podcast. And it's a, a very superficial analysis of Justin Houston's QB hits to sacks ratio throughout his career. Because, yes, the sacks were down last season, but guess what number was extremely consistent with every other year when he had higher sacks? The QB hits. He had 17 QB hits last season and had four and a half sacks. Two years ago, he had 18 QB hits and he had 11 sacks. In uh, 2013, in his prime, he had 15 QB hits only. That's two less than he had with the Ravens last year. And he had 11 sacks. He has zero personal foul, had zero personal foul roughing the passer penalties last season. So he was getting there. He was right there. And I know Jace likes it when the players bring the quarterback down to the ground. But all I say this is to mean that, in theory, he's still beating the offensive lineman. He's still getting to the quarterback late enough to hit them without getting a penalty called for it. So he's there. The timing is there. And I think there might be a little uh, regression to the mean here. And that's what I've told myself, if, is that if he can keep up the QB hit number, then the sacks come with it. It's kind of like the guy, the power hitter who's swinging for the fences and he's had a lot of balls to the warning track. If you just stay the co- you know stay the course, eventually those balls start getting out there. So I'm not as depressed, I guess, about the fact that he only had four and a half sacks last season. And I see him getting, let's say, oh gosh, an improvement on that number. And he's more in the six to eight range this season if he plays a full season. And that's okay as a sort of second banana outside linebacker. So, boy, I really had to really had to work at this optimism this time. But um, I was relatively pleased to see that the QB hits to, to, like the ratio was just different this past season. But he was still getting to the quarterback, still hitting him. Uh, and not late necessarily, and I I await my co-hosts to to pounce all over me for this. Yeah, time to tear this one down instantly. <laughs> um, so you're saying that QB hits where QB hits is essentially he's in the range where he didn't sack him, but he didn't get called for a personal foul, which by the way is only getting smaller in today's NFL. The guy, the quarterback, can freaking have the ball in his hand and still get called for uh, roughing the passer because the league. Is a bunch of pansies, and they want to protect these stupid quarterbacks. And nobody really cares about the quarterback. Show me the offensive lineman. So you're saying that this guy, who is only getting older, who is only getting a step slower. Aren't we all, Tim? Yeah. Oh, well, trust me. I feel it every day. Is going to have more sacks where he needs to be a bit quicker to increase that stat rather than the QB hit stat. I just – no. I don't see it. I think – I think we get four and a half from him again, and we get, what would you say, 17 last year? You know what? We'll call it 18. He'll get one more QB hit than he did last season, but he's still going to sit around that four and a half number. And I like Justin Houston. Don't get me wrong. I think he was a, I think he was a good add at the end of the season. It was one of those uh, last off season where everybody was just penciling him, uh, penciling him in to go to the Ravens. He did. He's clearly a great mentor type guy for guys like Adafi Owe and David Ajabo, who you hope are kind of your – your two um, just terrors off the edge in the coming years, but yeah, I don't. 
the QB hits thing is not going to make me feel any better about the Ravens getting after the quarterback this year. Well, I'm just saying I, that he has kept the QB hits consistent <laughs> to what he's done great. his entire career. Great. So at some point the sack should come. And in theory, you prove my point because if it's if it's harder to hit a quarterback without a personal foul, then the fact that he had 17 QB hits, which has been consistent with his earlier career, it's even better. That means he was even closer than he was potentially earlier when the penalties were harder to get. It's also harder to be faster when you're older, and I think that is a problem. I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that, you know, Houston's uh, numbers go up across the board. I guess my, my, my bigger concern just is, like, like he you, you mentioned he's the second banana. He's the only banana. There's only two of them. <laughs> and uh, it's just that lack of depth, I think, that's... We that's, need more bananas! Yeah, we just... We need a whole bushel of bananas here. Uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's just so thin, and you're just... You're really just asking a lot of him, and I think he he might be up for it. And Owe, like you know, I think we think the leap's gonna happen, but he only had what five and a half sacks last year, so it, it, it's it, it's just a lot of question marks. And I think, especially for the division the Ravens are in, where you have to play Joe Burrow twice a year, um. It, it, it's a it's a problem. It's an area of weakness. It's a clear area of weakness, I think, uh, entering the season. Just depth that outside linebacker. Tyus Bowser, David Ojabo. You, you can't come soon enough to, <laughs> to provide some, some depth to this position. Okay, let's turn now to another question mark that this team has had, and it's the wide receiver room. Uh, a, a really great article uh, was published, I'm pulling it up now, a couple days ago uh, on The Ringer by Stephen Ruiz. And it was essentially like, can Rashad Bateman be the guy? Can he be wide receiver one, basically? And he made an argument that last year, a real issue, so shockingly, with the Ravens' offensive success was that we knew already that Lamar and this offense did not enjoy throwing outside the numbers. Um, but what also started to happen is that last year, safeties playing against the Ravens had like the second shallowest starting position uh, of, of any team so they were lined up the shallowest as compared to every other NFL team I think they were maybe 31st or 32nd in the NFL with that positioning so the argument posed by Mr. Ruiz is can Rashad Bateman stretch defenses horizontally to the sidelines but can he also stretch them vertically and push those safety starting positions back which then in theory should open up the run game and should give Lamar Jackson more room to be a playmaker because as we complained last season, the Ravens, Jace, what was the number? How They had zero 50-yard plays all yeah, season? They, they, they ended the season without a single 50-yard play. And that was like four less than the next worst team. And that's, that's what happens when your safeties are basically in the box uh, on every play. So I turn to my co-host now with the wide receiver room set. Do you think it's good enough? Do you think Rashad Bateman can be that number one receiver uh, and help this offense get back on track? I think Bateman can. Um, I think my concern is more, will the Ravens let him and do they want to? I, I, I think not to, to, to stray too far, like off topic, I guess, but Josh Oliver being on this team is the single most shocking thing from the cuts. And, you know, you keep five tight ends and you, obviously Charlie Culler goes to, you know, IR, uh, after the, it, so he's out the first few weeks. But to just, like, there was no justification for keeping Josh Oliver over, you know, one of these wide receiver options. And to me, it just spoke to, like, 
the Ravens just don't want to. They don't care as a team, as John Harbaugh specifically and Greg Roman. They don't care if they don't have receivers because they're they're done using them. They're they're committing to what they do, which is tight ends and all these, you know, all the short stuff. And maybe you lean in, you lean into the curve, you lean into what you do well. But I think Bateman can be this guy. But I just don't know if like the wide receivers are going to be put in a like. Like, what's going to change? Like, over what we've seen the last, you know, three or four years, I I, I think Bateman can be special, but, like, if, you know, if they throw him the ball, not that much. <laughs> it doesn't it doesn't matter, really, if, the, if I guess, his routes aren't there. So, I, I do – I am a Bateman believer. I think he's really – I think he showed he was really good um, last season. He, you know, he had that stretch where, where everything – he caught was a first down for like his first like 15 catches or whatever. Um, but it's a lot of pressure on him. And, and I just, I just worry. I just circle back to the Greg Roman problem. I just don't know. Like they can talk a lot, but their actions suggest they're not only doing the exact same thing they've been doing. They're leaning even more into like what they were trying to do in like 2019. So, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is my other big area of concern. I think uh, this is not not the receiver room specifically because I, uh, you know, I think the guys are fine because I just don't think they're going to be utilized that much because they haven't been, and it doesn't seem like the Ravens are interested in the starting now. Yeah, I mean it's it's an interesting way to pose the question, Antonio, because I think Rashad Bateman to be optimistic for once, can absolutely be the number one receiver that the Ravens need. But that doesn't mean he's going to be Devontae Adams because that's just not what the Ravens do. <laughs> and it's, it's fine. It's, it's, that's fine. But I think he is – I am very excited. You know, you mentioned Steven Ruiz. I actually found – before he wrote the article, he was on uh, the Bill Simmons podcast talking about this, obviously, who, who owns the ringer um, and runs the ringer, I should say. And – they were talking about like going to Ravens camp and the Ravens are very strict. You'll never guess under John Harbaugh, very strict about posting like practice video and what have you. You basically aren't allowed to They're like, if we were allowed to post, and I think Ruiz's line to paraphrase was if we were allowed to post this, people would be losing their minds about Rashad Bateman on the plays he was making against the likes of Marlon Humphrey and the likes of, um, you know, Marcus Peters. Well, I guess Marcus Peters went out there, but you know, whoever it is, Kyle Hamilton and, and what have you, the sec, the loaded Raven secondary. We'll just put it that way. I'm very excited for the Rashad Bateman season. I'm very excited for Devin DuVarnay. I've been sitting here saying Devin DuVarnay is actually going to be a contributor. Not, he's not going to make the pro bowl or anything as a wide receiver. He's an all pro returner, but I think he is going to be a special part of this offense as well in the way that it is constructed. So yeah, I go read the piece at the Ringer if you want some of that nerdy stuff. It is, it is fun and it gets you jacked up. And again, as you're listening to this, football is a day away, so this just gets you really, really psyched for for what's to be. And I believe it, it might have been the first off season we had together, where it was the Hollywood Brown videos, and everybody was like, "Don't get psyched about the Hollywood Brown videos." Uh, and you know, we ended up getting psyched about it. And look, with you know, Tyler Linderbaum's here, so that's great. There's something about Bateman and the way he carries himself and just the physical nature of him as well that I'm kind of like, I'm in. I'm in on the – like, 
this feels weird to say for a receiver, and I'm just going to throw it out there. This is just on a whim. I did not think about this before. It's spewing out of my mouth hole right now. Bateman might be the next jersey purchase. Like, down the road, and not saying not saying now, but he could be a guy that, like, you're starting to see when you go to M&T Bank, you, you head in uh, to Baltimore City, you see a lot of the 12 rocking around. And I think that I think that we, you know, I'm not going to put my nuts on the table for it or anything, but I think we are, there is a chance that we see a special season from Rashad Bateman. Nothing that is, nothing that's, Tyreek Hill with Patrick Mahomes or Devontae Adams with Aaron Rodgers, but our own version of that and the version we need for this offense to succeed. It's kind of better for me that I haven't seen the the highlights from practice, so I don't have that like excitement. Oh, it just you would have bought just three neutral. Bateman jerseys already. You would have had a white, a uh, purple, and a black. And then he'd, he'd uh, Bateman change his number again, and you'd have to <laughs> have to get into right. Let's look at the running back room because this was sort of changed uh, in the past week with the addition of Kenyon Drake who was with Las Vegas uh, was released by the Raiders and then signed by the Ravens soon after Um, probably speaks to J.K. Dobbins status Uh, we know at this point Gus Edwards is out for at least four weeks maybe more than that so uh, (laughs) does J.K. Dobbins get 10 carries in week one, or is that optimistic? Or how much of a presence is Mike Davis going to be? How do you guys feel about the running back room now, for example, compared to last season when it was obviously a disaster, and compared to, you know, the heyday of 2019 when seemingly whatever back they had was getting six yards a carry? I think it's slightly better than last year, but not just a write-off, this will be fine, that I think a lot of people are doing. Um, I think that this position group, is way more concerning. Look at it on paper. Um, it was J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, and the rookie Tyler Beatty with maybe some spells of Justice Hill. None of those guys are going to play on Sunday against the Jets. Not one of them. Uh, I, I don't think J.K. is going to play. Obviously, Gus Edwards can't play, and nor Beatty. He's on the practice squad. Um, so, Kenyon Drake is... Sure. Like, what are your opinions on Kenyon Drake under your head? I have none. I have zero opinions on Kenyon Drake. And just like I had zero opinions on Devontae Freeman or, you know, sort of Le'Veon Bell for, you know, on the field purposes anyway at that point in his career. (laughs) I think it's just we'll see against the Jets and we're going to get to their preview later in the show. But I it's, it's one of those where I do hope that sooner rather than later this gets cleared up. And obviously Gus can't come back until a couple weeks into the season. But by like week two or three, we need J.K. being the bell cow. Um, and if not, I think we're kind of in this. I didn't even mention Mike Davis. Apologies. Um, I think we're kind of in this situation where it's like, okay, well, I know the scheme is good. But like it, it – was supposed to be good last year and Devonte freeman's getting 65 yards rushing in another two-point <laughs> loss like is that is it going to be the same thing i think we're leaning closer to that than we are jk at least at this point in time you know week two week three comes it could be a totally different story but opening the season i i am certainly worried yeah this was uh top uh item three that concerned me the most number one was the olbs josh oliver and just what that means for the ravens offense was number two and then uh um, yeah, uh, the running back situation was me. The, the Kenyon Drake thing really kind of came out of nowhere. It started bubbling up like the night before, I think, roster cut day. Um, and 
yeah, I think it says, it obviously says two things to me. I completely agree. I th- think it means JK is not 100%, certainly. And obviously they weren't satisfied with Tyler Beatty. We mentioned that he was released, a draft pick, sixth round pick. Uh, um, put uh, on the, pre- he was re-signed to add to the practice squad, which is nice that you don't lose a sixth round pick for nothing, basically. Um, but yeah, to me it just means, you know, they watched all of camp and they said, uh-oh, we're not ready for the season uh, with what we have. And, and that's not where you want to be. And I read a, a, a frankly shocking stat about JK that he's never had over 15 carries uh, in a single game before in his rookie year. So, yeah, the chances, I think, of him going over 10 if he does play in week one are quite low. Uh, and, yeah, I think I'm, cause I'm not as worried as last... Because last year was just... it was. It was devastated. It was, everyone was gone, and you had Tyson Williams was literally the only guy who spent more than four days in Ravens camp who played in that season opener. Uh, and so it's it's better than it was last year, but I, I agree with Tim. I am start as as we inch closer to the season, I'm more concerned, and that kind of you know ties into some offensive line issues. Uh, I think we might get into it in just a moment. Um, if the running game's not there, it's going to be a problem because, as we kind of talked about, this is a team that has decided they want to go all in and still on running the ball with you keep four tight ends and a fullback. They're clearly running is still going to be very important to what the Ravens do. Uh, and, and just based on their other wide receivers or personnel that isn't Rashad Bateman, and if they don't have anyone who can run the ball that isn't Lamar Jackson, the offense is going to stall out a lot like it did last year where it was productive yards-wise, but they couldn't finish drives. And, yeah, I, I have very similar <laughs> issues, I think, as we get closer to this season. So, yeah, if J.K. is 100% by week six, it solves a lot of issues uh, for this team. But until he's fully healthy, uh, it, it, it's, it, it might be tough. It might be tough. You're, you're, it's going to be a lot of Mike Davis, and I don't know that that's a good sign uh, for anyone really for this team. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Not much more to add. The, <laughs> the only small, small silver lining is that Kenyon Jake, Kenyon Drake is 27, a little bit more juice, maybe left in the legs. Whereas the other three the Le'Veon Bell, Latavius Murray, Devonta Freeman were all guys on in the 30 plus club. So we'll see, but yeah, I, I my gosh, would like to see. We'd like to see JK. <laughs> even if he just dresses, even if he's just in pads and he never plays, I'd feel a little bit better than if it's just... Run nah, some warm-up nah, drills. <laughs> yeah, he's not there yet. Um, and then Jace uh, teased the last position group that I want to go over, and that's the offensive line. The Ravens electing to keep 11 players, which should mean that they have considered that they need a lot of depth at a lot of various positions across the line. However, on Monday, Ronnie Stanley officially practicing... The Ravens' social media team was all over that, having a nice little clip to show us, a 60-second clip of Stanley running through the various, like, pad drills. Likely not going to play. It's still a good, I guess, a positive step that we're now seeing in practice as opposed to, you know, well, actually, Ronnie Stanley is back on an injured list or we're going we're gonna to shut things down for four to six weeks with Ronnie Stanley. Trending in the right direction, but it is the slowest trend uh, of all time. Your guys' thoughts on how the offensive line shakes out uh, with a few days until week one. 
I'm still more optimistic than last year just because, you know, I think it seems like they actually plan for the possibility of Ronnie Stanley not being there. Certainly with uh, the number of guys they kept. Releasing Tyree Phillips is a little strange. Uh, so they kept 11, but then they released him after cut day, actually. Um, surprise Tristan Cologne stuck when you have Patrick McCarry. Um But, you know, the concern, I guess, when it comes to releasing Tyree Phillips is they still don't like anyone, especially at left guard. It seems like it's kind of just going to default to Ben Powers. Uh, and no one won the job, really. I think it's just going to kind of be like, oh, I guess someone's got to play, so we'll just kind of keep it Ben Powers. So that's not especially encouraging. And then, um, you know, we didn't see Morgan Moses in preseason, and Kevin Zeitler didn't play either. So I don't want to say the Ravens' line's going to be bad. Uh, it should still be better than last year. But the left guard, no one won that job <laughs> in three preseason games at all of training camp, really. So that's a concern. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I'd be – Stanley's not going to play. Like, he does, you don't come back and just start doing team workout and then decide to play an NFL game. He's clearly taking it slow. I'd kind of be surprised, honestly, if we see him before October. But uh, uh, it's a step in the right direction, but it, it certainly doesn't seem like he's back anytime soon. So, you know, hopefully Jawan James is healthy, uh, or else you're getting Morgan Moses at left tackle and a rookie at right tackle. So, you know, here, here's hoping all's well. But, uh, yeah, if, if James struggles uh, and the left guard struggles, well, that's half your line. So that uh, – you know, doesn't bode well. So, so I have concerns again, but I, I still think they're less than last year. Although maybe at this time last year, I didn't have these concerns because the idea was Ronnie Stanley was healthy. So actually I might feel worse entering the season than I did at this time a year ago. So, you know, I talked myself in circles on that one, I guess. But, <laughs> uh, yeah, it's uh, the, the whole, the roster cut down really, I'm still excited because I'm excited for every Ravens season. But I think this team has clear problems that haven't been quite as obvious, it, 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 haven't been as obvious in quite a while. You know the season is like mere days away because <laughs> you could have given me this depth chart, you know, a, a month ago, a week ago, a couple weeks ago, and I would have been like, hey, you know, th 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 we're good, we got time, we'll figure it out. And now I'm like, panic! <laughs> um, because... To go positive first, I think Ronnie Stanley being fully practicing and being back in pads and what have you, I, I see where Jace is coming from with the October notion, especially because the Ravens do not want to screw it up again, especially to a dude that they owe a ton of money to. Excuse me. Um, so I think that what they're going to do is ease him in maybe more so than they would have, but I still think maybe – if he's fully practicing, maybe we see him um, a bit a bit earlier than that. Maybe week three or so, which I guess is close to October as it is. But you get it. I don't love that Juwan James was not good at left tackle in the preseason <laughs> for the most part. Um, that is a concern. But it's better. You know what? I'm not even going to say it. I was going to say it's better than Alejandro Villanueva, but... We all thought that was going to work out okay, and he was a turnstile at left tackle for the entire season to the point he was so bad that he had to retire. Like, he had to quit football because he was so bad at football. So, it can't be that bad, right? 
Uh, and then on, on, on the Tyree Phillips thing, I think it's interesting. Um, on that one, the fact that they don't have a left guard position nailed down and they still cut Tyree Phillips, I think, tells you what they know about Tyree Phillips. They gave that dude so many opportunities from a rookie onwards. He played in so many games, and all he's going to be known for is recovery, recovering a fumble against the Jaguars and running it like 40 yards, and that was in like a 40 to nothing game. That was sweet. Um, he did. He was supposed to be a valuable piece a la a Patrick McCarry who could kind of play all over the line and be serviceable in certain places. He wasn't, and so he, so he got cut, but it does leave this weird taste in your mouth about left guard. Um, I still, and again, I referenced before who we're doing this draft with, which if I look, uh, yeah, zero selections have been made since we started the podcast. Um, Cole Jackson, who's a big offensive line guy, basically has never really referenced this, at least from what I've seen anyway, of Patrick McCarry playing left guard. Like, the guy's a good offensive lineman. Why isn't he getting that shot? And maybe it's just because they value him more as a rotational swing piece. But if he's your best option, why not start him? I don't know. I guess we'll have to see. Um, so yeah, all of all of this rambling to say, yeah, I'm incredibly concerned. And if that line starts to crumble around Lamar Jackson in Week One against the Jets, you can take back all the stuff that we just said about Rashad Bateman because it won't matter because Lamar won't have the time to throw him the ball. So yeah, not great, Antonio. Thank you for asking. Yeah, when we uh, when we see Patrick McCarry at left tackle halfway through the second quarter, we'll know why he's not the starting left guard. Is because right. they just needed him available for either <laughs> of the tackle positions. Uh, but he's serviceable. The definite serviceable in the dictionary offensive lineman. It's Patrick McCarry. So we'll see. Jason, you have something else? Well, no. I just you know I feel like we've been <laughs> very negative. I we listed concerns about the offensive line, the running backs, uh, the wide receivers who aren't. Rashad you know, Bateman. football's back when we're being super <laughs> negative, Jace. But let's go with one positive on the offensive or on the offense. Lamar Jackson is the quarterback, <laughs> and he did not play the last month of last season. Uh, that's good. Secondary should be great. Uh, I know we don't have offense, uh, or outside linebackers, but I actually think the rest of the defense could be pretty good. So uh, if they can overcome their not sacking the quarterback issues, I, I think the defense could be much improved this year. I know, it sounded like we were very negative. I know I still predict this team will go like 10 and 7 <laughs> and compete for the playoffs, but there are concerns, and I think it's just worth addressing them and, like, you know, not just, you know, fanboying the team and they can do no wrong. I think it's important to point out that, hey, <laughs> this is bad. <laughs> there's, there's concerns here and, you know, just general trajectory of the franchise. I know we've talked about it on and off. This is a big year for the Ravens. They need to improve. They've gotten worse three years in a row. And, uh, you know, you get worse again from eight and nine. You're looking at regime change. So it's a pivotal year uh, for everyone. Uh, and, and there's it's it's a pivotal year that has a lot of question marks. And so I think that'll make the season exciting. It'll make it interesting. It doesn't mean these guys can't step up. But there are just big concerns at uh, entering week one, uh, for sure. Show me a football team in the NFL that doesn't have a problem at at least one position group. The Chiefs have problems. The Rams have problems. We have Lamar Jackson, and hopefully he can, uh, you know, paper over some of those issues until some guys get healthy and come back. But that's a good point, Jace. Like, we addressed the weak positions. 
a lot of the other ones are set and have depth. So hopefully that you know, everything balances out and we're able to at least handle a team like the Jets in week one. But Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Before we get to that preview, it's time for the Random Raven. And I'm up this week. Uh, and I think I went with a name that, that both of my co-hosts are going to remember because he's uh, from not very long ago. So, this Random Raven was drafted by the team in the fourth round in 2016. He played in 12 games, starting none of them in 2016, but averaged 4.3 yards per carry over 88 rushes and added 30 receptions in his rookie season. He then missed the entire 2017 season with a four-game suspension for PEDs paired with a torn meniscus suffered in the summer. In 2018... He missed 10 games after getting injured in week one, but he did come back and play the final five games of the season, as well as the playoff game against the Chargers, and he averaged that season 5.6 yards per carry. After fracturing his knee in the 2019 offseason, he was waived from injured reserve with an injury settlement on September 6th. He ended his brief Ravens career averaging 4.8 yards per carry, but never played for another NFL team. This Louisiana Tech product, war number 30. Who is this random raven? Yeah, and I have I, I have at least one puzzled look from Jace, which just that alone I'm happy with. I'm not sure where Tim where Tim is with this one. It's the recent past stuff that somehow like this is stuff I should remember. Not the things that happened 20 years ago, but uh, I've, I've got nothing at the moment, but for, from what I remember, I think, I think this is a guy that is a very similar to a, some people that we're dealing with right now uh, on the current <laughs> roster. I'll just put it that way. I don't, I don't want to say too much and we'll get into it towards the end of the show, but yeah, I, I think I got a lock on this one. Okay, nice. All right, let's get into it guys. It's time. It's time for a preview of a regular season football game. The Baltimore Ravens go to New Jersey <laughs> this Sunday to play the New York football Jets. Uh, yours truly will officially be in attendance for this game. Uh, I'm very thrilled. I'm very excited. Back to back week ones uh, that I'll be in attendance for on the road. And I'm, I'm kind of relieved. I'm going with some Baltimore buddies. And then one of them who lives in New York is bringing two Jets buddies. And so I feel a little protected by this. I, I, I don't know if I wanted to be going to a Jets game with just a bunch of Ravens guys. So, you know, little mixed group and uh, some good vibes and no fights all around. And that's what I'm looking for in, in a week one <laughs> football attendance, uh, you know, in the year 2022. But so the biggest question for this game, you know, I'm going to be at the game. Will Zach Wilson be at the game? Will he be active for this game? He has been hurt for the past few weeks, had the surgery on his, uh, was he a meniscus thing or something in his knee? He had some small surgery and has been out for the past three to four weeks. It seemed like he was not going to be available for week one, and then all of a sudden there's a little bit of news trickling out of him working out, and that now it's, quote, possible he plays. 
Uh, I highly doubt it. So, you know, I think they're going to be very careful with their second-year franchise quarterback and not bring him back too early. So it's looking like a 37-year-old Joe Flacco. Uh, as we turn to the preview section where we're going to look at the Jets' offense going against the Ravens' defense, Joe Flacco, 2-11 and as a starter since leaving the Ravens in 2018. But his inter- touchdown-to-interception ratio is 15-8. to so Tim kind of teased it at the start of the start of the show. Uh, any chance of a revenge game for Joe Flacco against these Baltimore Ravens? I mean, I have no backing for this. Statistically, <laughs> you know, if you want to listen to people smarter than myself talk about this, then then it'll be like, oh no, Joe's washed. I've seen that man do more stupid crap on a football field than I can remember, and I could see him. I could see him going 350 yards and four touchdowns, two of them to debut Garrett Wilson's NFL career. And he just kind of just – you don't see it on his face. Just nothing on his face. Just blank looks while he's throwing darts over that Raven secondary. So, again, this is this is pure gut and heart and not head. But, yeah, there's an absolute chance that Joe, Smoking Joe has one bullet left in the chamber. Just one and it's to take down the Baltimore Ravens in week one. Yeah, uh, the, st- the statistical profile of what Joe Flacco does uh, should does not suggest the Ravens and their fans should be worried in the slightest, really. I mean, we mentioned on this program just the truly, he might have thrown the worst pick six of the preseason uh, against, the, uh, was it the Giants? He, he just, he threw a ball right at the guy. But yeah, I'm, with, I'm exactly with Tim. My dumb football fan thing I am way more confident in this game if Zach Wilson, the athletic 23-year-old second overall pick plays versus, uh, you know, 37-year-old Joe, Joe Flacco. Uh, just because dumb stuff could happen. Because, as Tim said, dumb stuff has happened in Flacco's whole career. That was his Ravens career was dumb stuff happening often in his favor, but sometimes not. And, uh... Yeah, I, I, I uh, again, we shouldn't be worried in the slightest. Joe Flacco's not a good quarterback in 2022. He wasn't a good quarterback four years ago. That's why the Ravens drafted Lamar Jackson. Um, but I could still see him, you know, just pulling something out of his butt. And yeah, I, I'm very, I'm very concerned. Uh, I'm way more concerned if he plays versus Zach Wilson. I know that's dumb. Oh, there's no explanation for it but rush back zach wilson please i'd love to play a hobbled not 100 percent healthy zach wilson versus uh joe flacco who's gonna yeah hit, hit one just burn marlon humphrey with one of these young receivers and get the pass just over the top i just don't want it i don't want it and 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 because it, it'll hurt me it'll hurt me if joe flacco beats the ravens week one it's just such a ominous sign to the start of the 2022 season and i don't want any part of it oh guys come on now come on. <laughs> I, I mean are the ravens outside linebacker justin houston may get five sacks in this game alone because <laughs> joe flacco is a statue at 37 and when he moves that's when plays get worse and not better uh i think it's an ideal situation he'll have a revenge quarter he will have a revenge first quarter or second quarter They'll come out in the third quarter after halftime, and he'll get a strip sack, and we'll have good field position and score, and then he'll come out and he'll throw a ball that gets tipped at the line and gets intercepted immediately. (laughs) Like, there will just be dumb mistakes that he makes that he made in his prime 
that he will make <laughs> as a 37-year-old backup. Um, yeah, I'm not as concerned uh, with him, <laughs> I guess, as <laughs> as specific as Jace is preferring Zach Wilson to Joe Flacco. I'm not going to go that far. Um, elsewhere on the offense, so the Jets, 4-13 and last season. They've been bad for a long time. Uh, and surpri- unsurprisingly, I should say, a lot of turnover uh, on this roster. And if we look offensively, they tried to make the offensive line better. Uh, so they added Lakin Tomlinson from the 49ers to the line. Then they immediately lost Mekhi Becton for the season. Uh, and so have since added Dwayne Brown uh, as an emergency tackle. Dwayne Brown was available. So I think, you know, it's safe to say it's one of those things where they got a tackle. But how good is he going to be, really? Um, so the offensive line, clearly not fully solved, let's say. Uh, they drafted Garrett Wilson, the wide receiver out of Ohio State. As you guys have mentioned, they drafted Brees Hall out of Iowa State as a running back. They added two tight ends in Tyler Conklin and C.J. Uzama. So there's some turnover here, but none of these guys are proven anythings at all. Uh, I'm excited to see uh, our defense, our defensive starters. I'm excited to see Marcus Williams for the first time as a Raven uh, and doing a little bit of prep for this. I was downright shocked to learn that he's still only 25 years old. Uh, Marcus Williams of entering his sixth year as an NFL player is still 25. He turns 26 in two days, so that's part of the reason that that happens. He will be 26 when the season starts. But I'm excited to see him paired with the rest of our secondary, and I'm excited to see the D-line. A lot of depth there, uh, and let's wreak some havoc on this suspect offensive line offensive line with a quarterback who quite literally has no interest leaving the pocket um anything else guys what are you looking for from the ravens defense here the players you're excited about yeah the marcus williams point is just such a good one uh by all accounts he's been great in practice but as you said he's like the one guy we have never seen in a ravens uniform like even even obviously marlon humphrey didn't play marcus peters didn't play we mostly know what to expect from those guys. We've been bar- watching Marlon Humphrey for five years now. Uh, and, and so, yeah, Marcus Williams, I forgot also he was that young Antonio. Um, he, he's their big free agent pickup. So, like, he's he's the guy. He's definitely number one. Uh, I agree with you. A, a healthy defensive line will be exciting. Um, you know, I guess Travis Jones probably won't play. would have been nice to see him in there. But, yeah. Uh, there, it's exciting. I, believe it or not, I'm kind of excited to see Patrick Queen again. Maybe what if there is a jump? We didn't see him in preseason. I'm talking myself into it, Tim. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, um, no, your points are good, Antonio. What you raised about Joe Flacco, <laughs> um, uh, I, I, there's nothing rational about it. Uh, the Ravens' defense should win this matchup uh, with either quarterback. Um, the Jets have improved on offense, certainly. I, I you know, Elijah Moore is another wideout, second-year wideout. Um, they, they might have some weapons. Brees Hall was, you know, the best running back in the country probably last season or the last few years. He was the best running back in the Big 12. Um, so he's good, but, yeah, uh, their line's still kind of eh. And the big things, yeah, Joe Flacco and or Zach Wilson is their quarterback. So, um the Ravens should win this matchup. They should. Uh, their defense is better than the Jets' offense. Uh, the Jets had the worst offense in the NFL last year. Or uh, one of them. So, uh, I think that matters. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, excited for Marcus Williams. Uh, I'm still concerned about Joe Flacco, despite uh, Antonio's convincing. But, uh, yeah, it should be interesting. Yeah, I mean, let's, 
let's see. Uh, I think Kyle Hamilton might be a question as well. Like he hasn't practiced in a bit with an injury, so that would be another guy that you know, the the first round rookie. Let's see if some of the concerns about preseason were just us trying to cling on to storylines, or if there maybe there's something more there. Um, you guys have nailed pretty much all of it. I think the Jets have. The Jets are a weird team. The Jets remind me of a team that always says they have weapons. And the Jets have this narrative this year of like, and again, Zach Wilson probably not going to play in this game, but they're giving him every option this year. Like they, they went out in the draft and they got Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall. They already had Elijah Moore. They have Corey Davis. Like you said, Denzel Mims, who was a second round pick in 2020 is asking for a trade because he's so far down the depth chart. They've improved the offensive line a bit as well. They are, and as Antonio mentioned, bringing in the two tight ends, they are trying to give Zach Wilson every opportunity to succeed. So down the line, maybe not specifically for this game, you know, it's kind of put up or shut up time in New York, which is, which is interesting for a team that, you know, is garbage. Um, but outside of everything you guys have said, I'm just going to put it here. I said it a couple, a couple episodes ago as well. It is officially Justin Matabuke season. By the end of this year, we are going to be talking about him as one of the sneak. By the end of this year, he'll be one of the sneaky best defensive linemen in the National Football League. And in a couple years' time, he will be one of the best linemen in the National Football League. Hyperbole, sure. But I'm trying to have a little bit of optimism, optimism on this episode with the season just a couple days away. Uh, I, I, you know, him, I think all the smarter people than me, Nate Tice and what have you, are all aboard the Matabuke train for his size. He's powerful and quick. Um, you know, even in the limited stuff we've seen from him, he seems to make an impact on the defensive line. You're bringing back Calais Campbell as well. Um, so, yeah, I'm excited to see the defensive line. Weird, I know, for our first episode. I'm going to the line. That never happens. Uh, and then also, just in terms of a concern, I guess, thinking of those weapons, you know, as I mentioned, look at the receivers. Their top five, excuse me, are Corey Davis, Elijah Moore, Garrett Wilson, Braxton Berrios, and Denzel Mims. That's a good core. That's a good core of receivers. Can the Ravens cover them? Marcus Peters, probably going to play, but is he fully healthy? Marlon Humphrey, absolutely needs a comeback season after spending, you know, getting paid $98 million, uh, $98 million contract and then spending most of his time debating about mac and cheese on Twitter. Like, the guy needs to have a bounce back year. Um, and I worry Kyle Fuller in the slot as well. This is going to be the first test for this vaunted Raven secondary. So let's see if they can perform. Yeah. Tim, uh, I love the Matabuke point. Some players have to exceed expectations. That's allowed to happen on a roster of 53 players. And we'd like it if it's more than just one or two. Uh, let's turn to the Ravens offense against the Jets defense. The Jets brought in defensive mind Robert Sala to be their head coach. And the Jets D last season last in yards allowed out of all 32 teams. Last in points allowed out of all 32 teams. Two seasons ago, two off-seasons ago, I should say, they signed Carl Lawson. They gave him the big money deal. He was with Cincinnati. Um, had had a couple of low sack seasons, but really strong, like, advanced metrics. They gave him a big deal, and then he missed the entire 2021 season. So he should be healthy and back for them. Uh, they added Jordan Whitehead from the Bucks. They drafted Sauce Gardner to be their starting you know, cornerback one of the future. They added Jermaine Johnson to be a, a pass rusher. That was a guy that we had looked at a, as a potential addition to the Ravens in the first round. So they've made some changes here. Still a lot of questions, still a lot to be proven for this Jets D. So what are you guys looking forward to 
I mean, dare I say we start with Lamar, but what are you looking forward to with the Ravens' offense matched up against what was the worst defense in the NFL last season? Yeah, I mean, I'll just go, you, you mentioned it there, you're burying the lead a little bit. Lamar Jackson's playing football again. Like, the contract talks will be done. He's already said week one is the limit. We're not going to see, you know, we'll probably do an emergency episode if, if sometime in the coming days they sign an extension. But spoiler alert, they're not going to. He's going to be playing on, on, this, on this deal here this season. And we get to watch Lamar play football again. A, a bulked up, pissed off, you know, ready to prove the haters wrong Lamar Jackson. I'm excited for it. I think it's, it's a gift that we have missed for a very long time. You know, no offense to Tyler Huntley, but I'm ready to see number eight back there taking snaps. Um, we talked about the backfield already. Uh, I think uh, we've talked about Bateman already. We've done these conversations. so We don't need to beat him into the ground here. Uh, my other one, it, it seems obvious, but is Isaiah likely – that dude or is he james prochet Wh- which is he and i think we're gonna find this out and it's gonna start in week one you know you got guys like cj mosley who again 80 million dollars for a middle linebacker jets nice job but the guy the guy was good in coverage he, that was always one of his strong suits when he was uh, with the ravens I mean, obviously it's tailed off a little bit since he's been in new york weird linebacker leaves the ravens and doesn't do as well that never happens um, I'm excited to see if Isaiah likely could expose that middle of the field now that he's not, you know, option one that he was in preseason, but he's option in the passing game. What? Three generously, probably four, five. Like I, we could see him have a sneaky big game and then everybody picks him up on their fantasy team in week one. Uh, speaking of one selection has been made so far uh, <laughs> since we, since we've, been doing this podcast and it was a player that jason and i wanted <laughs> but yeah uh he was our, he was our next guy so that's frankly pretty annoying um but but yeah i, I think it's gonna be interesting um with him as well like and you know it's not gonna be a well he had two catches for 25 yards bust the preseason was a lie like that's not gonna be one of those but it would be cool to see him kind of continue that role uh into this game the with Lamar coming back, I do. I am interested in in, in Buff Lamar, Big Lamar, because what does <laughs> Buff it look Lamar? Like? like, is he just not going to run as much? I, I have had some concerns as we've gotten closer to Susan. It's like, well, what if he didn't gain the right kind of weight? Like he says, it's all muscle, <laughs> but what if it's not? Um, uh, you know, as someone who's gained twenty pounds in a short period of time over the years. <laughs> um, it's easy to do, easier to do than you think, and uh, you know, I, I, so I'm interested to see him. I love week one. Historically, Lamar has had some of his best passing games in his career. Week one against the Browns in 2020, uh, week one against uh, certainly the Dolphins is coming out party in 2019. Even last season, he had that incredible play, uh, scramble play, a few good moments. Um, but. Uh, yeah, and otherwise, it's all the things we, we talked about. I do. I still want to see, like, what does the running game look like? Who is the starting left guard? Just these simple things, you know, that you're really not going to know until the ball's snapped. It might be a thing they just keep rotating their starting left guard like they did with their right tackle situation if you, uh, in 2020 when Ronnie Stanley went down when it was like, sometimes it's Tyree Phillips, sometimes it's DJ Fluker. So, you know... I'm interested to see all these things, and I do think... DJ Fluker, that's a random raven. <laughs> Future random raven, DJ Fluker. Uh, uh, you know, for, for all the, the questions I think we laid out, the Jets are a perfect team 
to to start against because I do think they improved on the de- defense. Sauce Gardner, we think, is going to be a great player. Carl Lawson, by all accounts, has looked good, as mentioned, and he's back. Um, so they should be improved, but it's hard to go from dead last to great. So, you know, uh, I, I don't know. I, this isn't the 85 Bears. The Ravens are facing it in week one. I think it's a good, even uh, opponent. Uh, it gives the Ravens a good <coughs> opportunity to sort some stuff out and win a game. Hopefully. Not the 85 Bears, Chase. They were the worst defense in the NFL last season. You're saying that they're not the second best defense in the history of the NFL. Um, All right. Uh, What about intangibles, special teams, coaching? I mean, you know, you're not going to have to convince me that John Harbaugh is going to be more prepared for this game than Robert Sala. You're not going to convince me that our special teams is going to be in better shape than the Jets special teams. But what else do you uh, do you like maybe in terms of some edges here uh, with the intangibles or things to watch out for in a week one game? Yeah, I have a, I have a couple of things here um, before Jace goes. One, it seems weird to say and call me, you know, I am typically a pretty emotional guy. Uh, so maybe it's just I get caught up in a lot of this stuff. It's playing in New York on the anniversary of Madeline. You know, that that is I think that is something and it, it's not something we have to get into, whatever, but. I do think there is something there. Obviously, it affected the entire nation, clearly, but especially for those people in New York City uh, that day. So I just I think there's – call it what you will. The, the guys are – they're still going to go out and play. They're not going to give the game to the New York team because of that, whatever. But I think it's something. Um, the other one <laughs> – here's my cynic brain coming out. There's always a team in week one that gets uh, beaten – in, in a shock, in a shock loss. The Ravens at, what, minus seven, which we'll talk about a bit later, are probably one of the bigger favorites heading into week one. These lines are not always that big. I was listening to a gambling show right before recording, and they're all kind of building up to their picks for the week, and they were like, oh, yeah, the Ravens, you got to hammer the Ravens. They're definitely just going to smoke the Jets. Don't be that team, Ravens. Like, don't be that team. Go out there. Do your business professionally. John Harbaugh usually has these guys going, so I'm not super concerned about it, but just don't be that team. And then I just want to read a list of some players here uh, for you. And this comes from Jeff Cerebek at The Athletic. And I'm just going to read this list, and then I'll tell you the correlation here at the end. And this is not the entire list of people. I, I just put together some, you know, some, some general, general guys here. Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Rashad Bateman, James Prochet, Devin DuVarnay, Morgan Moses, Kevin Zeitler, Ronnie Stanley, Justin Houston, Calais Campbell, Josh Bynes, Patrick Queen, Marlon Humphrey, Marcus Peters, Jalen Armour Davis, Marcus Williams, and Chuck Clark. So you would look and go, those are guys that are definitely going to contribute this year. Those are also players who have not played a down of football in the preseason. It is, I know it's the trend now. I know people just don't play their guys. Obviously, I get it. The rust factor worries me still of it might take a little bit to get going. This is the most, again, this comes from of his Rebex piece. This is far and away like the most guys that have rested for the Ravens in preseason. I guarantee you as a response to all the injuries last year. Let's kick, let's kick the rust off in the first, I don't know, drive, drive and a half and get back to full gear. Uh, that, the, just the uh, pure amount of guys that haven't even seen the football field yet is quite worrying yeah the ravens definitely prioritized health this preseason which is good because no one i believe outside of vince beagle suffered a season-ending injury for the ravens in the preseason and training camp which is good um but 
yeah at what cost i think is like to your point tim it's it's like if they are you know takes weeks to coalesce I, i'm not gonna be stunned if this team starts slow because of what you said because the guys who still aren't there obviously gus edwards we know isn't playing ronnie stanley's probably not gonna play um that's still a lot of their biggest names still have huge question marks uh which is dumb i don't know if it'll impact him but it could impact the rest of the team uh, if Lamar Jackson doesn't have a contract done, I know they'll say it's not a non-issue, but it's going to, I'm sure, be a cloud that hangs over the team entering week one. I think it's a thing that will people will stop talking about, maybe, as the season goes on until Lamar has a good game or a bad game. and then they No chance, Jace. No chance. Yeah. Marlon Humphrey was tweeting about it <laughs> Tuesday as we yeah, record. Yeah, so. yeah. He was also tweeting he'd be mad if uh, he beat Serena Williams and... Uh, she got the standing ovation instead of him. So Marlon says a lot of things. <laughs> but, uh, you know, um, I, I'm still concerned a little bit with the Lamar contract hangover as the season kicks off. Um, the, the sort of just, it's not even, I think, with the team. It's just the cloud of media attention that hangs over it. I've said this many times on this show and in person and otherwhere. The Ravens operate best when no one thinks or cares or talks about them. That's when they have their best seasons. That's when, uh, you know, they're playing at 1 p.m. and they you know, they have no expectations, really. That's when they shine. Uh, and uh, there's going to be so much media attention on them if this Lamar Jackson contract doesn't happen and will continue to hold there. So that's a, that's a slight concern. Um, and then I agree with Tim. Uh, you know, playing in New York on 9-11 is a very emotional I think, experience, 21-year anniversary. They'll certainly do some type of lengthy pregame ceremony, I'd imagine, um, that, you know, at the very least sort of changes up probably your game preparation at minimum. Um, so that, that'll that be intense, I'm sure, uh, and I think can't be discounted. So, yeah, I have concerns. And then, obviously, my biggest intangible is just, is Joe Flacco playing? <laughs> is he playing this game? Because I think that just... It's going to lead to weird stuff. Uh, if if Joe Flacco plays this game, I could just see weird things happening. Uh, you know, and the Jets still might go four and thirteen again this season. But uh, can they can they steal Week One in an emotional New York atmosphere with Joe Flacco playing his former team, and then he turns back into a pumpkin next week and they lose five straight games? It's very possible. It's the New York Jets. There's a lot of hype around the Jets always. You know, you mentioned people want the Jets to take the leap because this is the team. They play in New York. They have the longest playoff drought in the NFL. Uh, they're still a bad team, but bad teams can beat good teams, and that's my concern <laughs> going into week one. This game's going to start with the Ravens getting the ball first. They're going to go three and out. It's going to be like a fumbled snap. The Ravens are going to punt. A lot of emotion in New York. Flacco takes them down the field. They kick a field goal, go up 3-0, a lot of juice in the stadium. And then the Ravens win 31-13. And that is how I envision this game going. I think they're going to probably start slow. There's going to be a little bit of rust. And then it's going to be a team that is way better than their record based on the roster that they currently have, based on half of the hurt players being back and healthy and playing. And based on the fact that they're playing a team that won four games last season in a 17-game schedule and has the same exact infrastructure intact, basically, and is starting a 37-year-old backup quarterback, <laughs> I'm not concerned. I'm turning to the gambling section. Ravens are seven-point favorites. 
I'm taking the Ravens. Uh, I love them. I'm gonna hate it in the first quarter. I'm gonna be <laughs> I'm gonna be a little nervous uh, when there's a lot of noise and the stadium's rocking. And uh, you know, the rookie stout punter his first punt he's nervous, so he only punts it 40 yards out of bounds or something like that. And the Jets start with good field position, and then things are gonna settle in. And a much better football team is going to beat a much worse football team in week one by a lot. Uh, I'm taking the Ravens. I'm taking them at minus seven. Um, if you are actually interested in, in gambling these games, it may be worth waiting right up until the last second. Because if Zach Wilson somehow is able to play, this line will go down. to Rave. It was Ravens minus five and a half when Zach Wilson was going to start. It went up to seven when Flacco started at this point. If Flacco still starts, and we find that out Sunday morning, the line will stay at 7, I think. Uh, but if somehow we get news that Wilson's in good shape, that line's going to drop. So why not buy it at 5.5 if you still feel okay? Or if you're Jason, you feel even better about it with Wilson being the starting quarterback. I like it at minus 7. Uh, I'm all over them. I'm going to put them in a tease as well. But I want to hear my co-host's final thoughts on this game as well as the Ravens' picks before we get to our other selections. Yeah, I mean, I, I've said it. Uh, it's a dumb thought. Flacco plays. The Ravens win the game. But the Jets cover that minus seven. Uh, I think oh. dumb stuff will happen. Uh, the Ravens will win by, like, four. Uh, you know, Tim, he's back. He's back. He's in He's in rare form week one. Jace Evans back in the house. Oh, uh, boy. I'm sorry, Jace. Continue. But the Ravens cover by the seven if Zach Wilson plays. He's going to throw four interceptions, and uh, uh, it's going to be a relative breeze if Zach Wilson plays. <laughs> Famous last words. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have concerns about the Ravens, but I think I'd be stunned if they don't win this game. Winning in week one is what the Ravens do. They've only lost, what, like something like four or five times under John Harbaugh in week one. Um, they win in week one, though it's on the road. Tough environment. Uh, they should win this game. But weird stuff will happen if Joe Flacco plays. And if Joe Flacco plays, the Ravens will win. Because he'll have a strip sack or throw a bad pick. But it'll be close. So the Ravens win this game regardless of who starts against the Jets. But if Flacco plays, the Jets cover. Despite all of the negativity that I have spewed on this episode... <laughs> It's the New York Jets. The Ravens cover. The, we, we, we still have plenty to come back. Trust me. At least Jace and I have plenty to talk about negatively uh, on next week's Pod Like a Raven, which will release Tuesday rather than Wednesday. Apologies. It was a holiday, guys. Give us a break. I was, I was watching the Orioles get crushed by the Blue Jays. What do you want me to do? Um, I think they win and they cover. Uh, yeah. Ravens minus seven for me. All right. To our other picks. And again, I did this last year. I did it the year before. I'm going to keep track of my picks as the season goes along because I want to be, uh, you know, if I'm going to give them out and be serious about giving two to three picks per week, I want to make sure that I'm tracking where I'm at. So I'm taking the Ravens minus seven, and then I'm doing a three-team tease, six points. That That's where the money's made, ladies and gentlemen. That That's where the, the bread gets buttered. I'm taking the Ravens. If I like them at seven, I definitely like them at minus one. Uh, in a three-team tease, so I'm doubling down on the Ravens as one of these three teams. I'm taking the Chiefs uh, on the road in Arizona, and they're six-point favorites, so I'm taking that down to even. Uh, call me enthused by that opportunity. I think the Chiefs take care of business week one. And then I'm taking the Cincinnati Bengals at home 
That line was also six, and I'm getting them against Pittsburgh. Um, I believe it's six. It might be six and a half. I'll have to look at that again. But regardless, it's either even or it's half a point. So I'm taking the Bengals to win at home against Mitch Trubisky and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And that's specifically why I am not concerned uh, about this Pittsburgh team, at least in week one. They will be an annoying out for 17 weeks, but week one, love the Bengals at home uh, as part of that three-team teaser with a line that's basically even. And then my third pick, um, I went back and forth with it, but Minnesota Vikings are playing the Green Bay Packers in Minnesota, and the Vikings are one-and-a-half-point underdogs in this game where, yes, it's Aaron Rodgers, yes, he's going to be fine, but they have a game every year where they look horrendous, and then there's all these concerns, uh, oh, is this finally the year that the Packers fall off? They got blown out last year in week one against the Saints, and then they ended up winning 13 games. I think they went 13-4 and four that season, so I think they have a rough test in week one on the road in Minnesota without Devontae Adams. Uh, you know, the question is going to be, oh my gosh, are the Green Bay Packers in trouble without Devontae Adams? And then Aaron Rodgers is going to say, no, you know, this stuff takes time. Just got to <laughs> take some ayahuasca and then, like, live your life, man, and everything's fine. So... I think that's how that's going to go, and I'm taking Minnesota with all the offense that they have to outscore Green Bay with the receivers that they have. So I'm taking Minnesota plus one and a half at home against the Green Bay Packers. All right, let me just jump on this one real quick, Jace, and I'll start with that one. I am taking the Green Bay Packers minus one and a half away to the Minnesota Vikings, uh, the opposite. And I'm doing it, and, and I agree with a lot of Antonio's thing. I, I have... I'm all in on the Vikings in a weird way. I think in our over-unders, I had them as an over this year. But this is one that just screams. This is a gut-feeling thing that screams. There's a lot of hype about Minnesota, and Aaron Rodgers is going to see all that, take some ayahuasca, and go, no, I'm going to beat those guys. Uh, I'm just going to show that I'm still king of the north. Uh, So there's just something in this game. I don't like that it's in Minnesota, and I don't like that for for the Vikings, and and a lot of people have been talking about this, if they want to really – you know, take the division away from the Packers. This one might almost be a must win for them in week one. So they're going to come out with a lot of energy and a lot of fire. That scares me. But something tells me Aaron Rodgers just says, you know what? No, I'm, I'm still the king here and beats. I wouldn't say beats the brakes off the Vikings. Cause I think the Vikings are a good team, but new coach coming in uh, against the biggest division rival. And I think Aaron Rodgers takes care of business there. And plus I know the Vikings offense is good. The Packers' defense is very good. Like, very, very, very good. Um, so give me Green Bay minus one and a half. And then I got a couple more here. Let's go Let's go to Thursday night, because why wouldn't you bet on the opening night of football season? Come on. Rams plus two and a half at home. The, the defending Super Bowl champions are a home dog in the game that the team typically wins. The, the defending champion welcome back game, whatever, typically wins this Thursday night game. Home puppies are usually good in week one. I don't have the official stats in front of me, but I was looking it up earlier today. Rams plus two and a half away, or excuse me, at home, I should say, to the Buffalo Bills, who everybody's just crowning the Bills. Everybody's just crowning the Bills. Give me the Rams there, I think, plus two and a half. Antonio, you have something on that game? There's just so much love for these Bills. My goodness. They went 11-6 and six last season. 
Let's slow down a little bit. They had one yeah. really awesome offensive football game in the postseason against the Chiefs. Guess what? Their defense was terrible in that game, and that's why they couldn't stop the Chiefs on any possession. Maybe settle a little bit until we see a lot of good things from these Buffalo Bills. 11-6 and six last season. A lot of the same players. Uh, you know, will they be better? Probably. Are they going to... Do they deserve to be favorites at the Super Bowl defending champ? I don't think so. So, I like that pick by Tim. Sorry. Yeah. Take it away. Something, no, you're good. Something tells me just Sean McVay week one, he's going to come out and have the boys buzzing as well. Aaron Donald's going to be ripping helmets and what have you. <laughs> um, the, the one I'm probably the least confident in, but I'll give it out anyway because uh, I was just going through and picking, you know, we're not doing just three. It's week one. Why not give out a couple more than that? <laughs> Chargers minus four at home to the Raiders. Look, I, I understand you're like, well, you just said the Vikings hype thing. Are you, it's the Chargers hype thing. No, I'm not really buying into the Chargers hype either, but I think Home advantage doesn't matter. It's going to be a Raiders home game as it is. I just don't think the Raiders are a very good football team, and I think Josh McDaniels is a terrible head coach, and we've seen this already, and he's been under Bill Belichick for years, and he went back to daddy when he was a terrible head coach before, and now he's out on his own again, and this team has no offensive line. Their defense is fine and probably bad outside of Chandler Jones and Max Crosby. And sure, Derek Carr and Devontae Adams are buddies. That's great. Darren Waller <laughs> like hasn't played all preseason. Apparently is holding in. Josh Jacobs, they didn't pick up his fifth year option because he's a running back and like he's just fine. I don't I don't get any of the Raiders hype. Some people have them winning this AFC West, and I think that's frankly ridiculous. I think the Chargers are a good team, and I think they're gonna want to uh, want to avenge that playoff or excuse me, the loss that prevented them from making the playoffs at the end of last season. Give me Chargers minus four at home to the Raiders. And finally, not to zag on Antonio because he is very good at this. Steelers plus six and a half away to the Bengals. I would like it more if it was in Pittsburgh. But, like, this is another one. And this is, as you can tell, I'm very much a gut guy when it comes to making these picks. It's everybody talking about the Bengals. And I think the Bengals are probably getting a little underrated. I think that they're not going to be your typical uh, just team that kind of fades down the street or excuse me the Super Bowl loser that doesn't do well the next season what have you I think they're in a bit different situation I think they're going to be good I think they're going to be competitive uh in the AFC North and the AFC as well but Pittsburgh's going to keep that game close you talk about the Bills Pittsburgh beat the Bills last season and you could argue their quarterback situation is better than it was last year you could argue that uh I wouldn't but you could argue that that Mitchell Trubisky is better than 42-year-old or whatever he was, Big Ben <laughs> Roethlisberger, who now has a podcast, by the way. We have to compete with Flip Ballin uh, from Ben, which I don't think it's going to be the same demographic anyway. But, yeah, so I'm getting Steelers, Steelers plus 6.5, uh, Ravens minus 7, obviously, Rams plus 2.5, Green Bay minus 1.5, L.A. Chargers minus 4. There are so many great games uh, this week. So and, many good games. And, and it's very exciting to start week one with this many good contests. Uh Somehow I found myself being drawn to the gambling lines uh, of the not good games <laughs> uh, in particular, or at least certainly one of them, because one that caught my eye was Jaguars plus two and a half at the Washington football team. Yes. Rebranded the Washington Commanders. I have bad vibes around the Commanders. Things seem to not be trending in a, in a good direction for this team entering this season. Um Every report you saw on Carson Wentz was just about how inaccurate he was in practice, <laughs> um, which doesn't seem to bode well uh, for a guy, you know, who's that's been his his biggest problem. And uh, I don't know. It just seems it seems like we suddenly went from 
oh, they're, they're getting it on the right track with Ron Rivera to now, you know, Chase Young's missing the first several weeks of the year. Their defense is one of the worst in the NFL last season. Um, Carson Wentz is their QB, and Ron Rivera is on the short list of guys on the hot seat. It's like after you get past Matt Rule and probably Matt, uh, Mike McCarthy, it's Ron Rivera. So I just don't like the vibes, and I, I think, you know, the Jaguars aren't going to make the playoffs or anything, but I don't think any team will improve more this season just from, like, having a real head coach. Like, I don't know, Doug Peterson's not, like, you know, he, he, he he's not like Bill Walsh on the sidelines, but uh, I, I think just how much of a market improvement he is uh, o- over Urban Meyer is, is going to be huge. And I think it sets Trevor Lawrence up uh, to be, you know, one of the, the best players, uh, or not the best players, but perhaps make a bigger improvement than just about any player uh, in the NFL. Uh, and then my other pick... Well, Jace, let me jump in very quickly. You know how Vegas views how just how bad the vibes are in Washington? Is that the Jaguars are only two and a half point underdogs on yeah. the road at Washington, <laughs> even though the Jaguars won, what, three games last season in a 17 game? And yet they're not even giving a field goal uh, is Washington in this game. So the vibes, vibe check is not good uh, in D.C., yeah, and, and I, I mean, this might set a, a, a record low for opening day attendance at FedEx Field. I mean, the Jaguars and what I'm sure is it will be blistering heat and out in Landover. Uh, it just doesn't seem like it's it's good times. Um, my other pick uh, is the New England Patriots at plus t- uh, three and a half at the Miami Dolphins. An issue at times for them, but... It is Mike McDaniel and his first game as an NFL head coach versus Bill Belichick, uh, the guy who has coached more games than anyone else who is currently an NFL head coach. I know things look bad in New England this offseason. Uh, we still don't actually know, really, who's the offensive coordinator. Seems like it's Matt Patricia. Um, the preseason didn't go well for the Patriots. But I think there's been too much Dolphins love, and I am going with Bill Belichick over to figure it out. Uh, against Mike McDaniel and uh, yeah, Tim, do we uh, do we do it here? Gentlemen, we're on the clock. I have some I have some <laughs> breaking news here. On oh Griffin. my goodness! The team is on the clock. We're on. Time the clock is a now. flat circle. <laughs> so again, uh, Antonio, you're going to help us make this pick again. This, this is amazing. This, I cannot believe what would this happened in an hour. This uh, this draft is very good. There are no, like no players left. We only have three <laughs> running backs: beating Devil, Devin Singletary, Ezekiel Elliott, and Aaron Jones. We are trying to pick up some of the uh, handcuffs and what have you, but Gaz, and Gaz, I know you listen to this. First of all, congratulations, and I love you. I really appreciate you listening. Stop taking all the running backs. <laughs> he's taking all of them. Every, he's the first pick, so we keep getting him on the turn, and every time that I'm like, oh, you know what, we'll save that running back. It was Rashad Penny last round about three hours ago. I was like, we'll save him for the turn because Gaz already has five running backs. He's not going to get a sixth. He got a sixth. So he has six <laughs> running backs right now. I think we need one, but let's break this down a little bit. So again, Antonio, I, the listeners can't respond to this. So Jace, Antonio, we're collabing on this selection here. Uh, we are our quarterback right now, Joe Burrow, the only quarterbacks left. Let's break this down. As I pull up the list here for you, the quarterbacks left Derek Carr, Kirk Cousins, and you know, pretty much everything else. Our wide receivers, Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, Amon Ross St. Brown, Amari Cooper, Alan Lazard, and Tyler Lockett. Pretty good on receivers, but receivers, deep position. Maybe just take another one and say, screw it. Our running backs, as I mentioned, Singletary, Aaron Jones, Ezekiel Elliott. Well, let's go to, sorry, let me backtrack. 
Let's go to the receivers that are available if we would like one. Kadarius Toney, can't stay healthy. Garrett Wilson, rookie. Julio Jones, 70? Tyler Boyd, <laughs> Jarvis Landry, uh, Devontae Parker, Russell Gage, Rome- uh, Romeo Dobbs, the guy, Jahan Dotson for the, for the commanders. Yeah, we'll see. Uh, running back, where I said, again, Singletary, Elliott, and Jones. Michael Carter, who I will throw my hand in the ring, might be the one that interests me most. I think maybe Brees Hall, you know, might not be the guy. Michael Carter starts a little bit in the early weeks. I don't know. We could talk about it. James Robinson from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Naheem Hines. Uh, Isaiah Spiller. I don't even know who that is. Rashad <laughs> White. Mark Ingram. Tyler Algier. Khalil Herbert. It gets really bad. Uh, we could do tight end. We only have one tight end right now. It's George Kittle. There are two flex positions, so we could play two tight ends in a pinch, although I wouldn't. Mike Gusecki, Cole Komet, Hunter Henry, David Njoku maybe if you'd like, uh, and then kickers and defense, but I we have four selections now. I vow we save this for the end. So, boys, I could repeat all of that. I know I just sped through, and again, I apologize, listener. I know no one cares about your fantasy team, but we're doing it live. What are we thinking, boys? What are we thinking? I, I have one question, and I assume because the name wasn't said, he's probably already gone. But uh, Tony Pollard still on the board? Backup running back uh, to Ezekiel Elliott? Because that would be Tony, a nice... You're right, and I wanted to pick him because, again, I thought, oh, let's see. Gaz already has four running backs. He won't take a fifth. He took Tony Pollard. Just a now. A fifth running back. No, this was this was like seven hours ago. This was in <laughs> round nine. I don't even um, remember that. He yeah, also took AJ I, Dillon when we were debating about doubling up on Dillon and Aaron Gaz has Gaz has screwed us this entire draft. And I again I love him to death. But man, we we were coming back around the turn and I had a receiver pick and I was like, well, I could just take Tony Pollard now and then get it on the in three picks now, but I'll just wait. So I took Amari Cooper instead. I would much rather have Tony Pollard. So yeah, he is he's been off the board for a while now. Again, these guys are smart that we're playing with. I, I so that's all I have to say on that one. There were we like a lot of names. Yeah, Jace, do you have do you have yeah, the board I mean, in front of you? I first of all, Jace, are you able to? <laughs> I think we need a running back, but these names are just. I mean, Rashad White. Are you? He's a guy I drafted on the is Leonard Fournette not good uh, idea in Tampa. Yeah. But, uh, uh, the other <laughs> name I was going to say, but I don't think he's worth like taking at all. Is Devin Singletary's? Backup. Uh, I'm trying to uh, pull up the. We well, that would be uh, that would be James Cook, and he got picked four picks ago. See, now that so, seems too early for James yeah. Cook uh, to be drafted. That just doesn't feel. Well, this is the thing right. too, and again, we are in this circle, so I, I'm fully labeling ourselves this too. This is full of football nerds. So these are the guys that are looking at the rankings and like this guy could be a sneaky pick this year. So they take him way too early because they think that he's going to be the the you know the superstar backup or whatever. Um, which I agree with. Don't get me wrong. I'm not faulting that strategy. It's just it makes our job, our lives harder. I tend to say Michael Carter, or we take a flyer on a Kadarius Tony and say, screw it, let's just get another receiver and maybe trade Gaz for one of his, uh, what is it, <laughs> six running backs later in the season because he only has three receivers at the moment. Um, I don't know. I, I'm going to leave the decision and um, feel free, I'm going to read, I can read the board out to anybody else uh, as well, but I'm going to leave the decision to my two co-hosts here on who we select. Or we could just say, screw it and take Justin Tucker and just take our kicker now. Although I wouldn't recommend that, but it is something that could be done. I don't hate Tony. That would be my, I mean, again, I'm, I'm trying to remember a lot of the names that were said, but at this point, 
I think Kadarius Tony is sort of like a uh, what a, a low a it's low a flyer floor pick. high ceiling yeah. guy high ceiling guy. Yeah, it, I feel like it's like we have so many receivers, but like the names are just so much more exciting <laughs> to me at the receivers like Tony Wilson. Even Julio, like Tyler Boyd, will have a good. Season. And people are people are going to get hurt, so we, yeah. you know, we might as well just. All right, so Kadarius Tony seems like the pick. I like wide it, receiver yeah. two on the Giants. Is that where we're kind of at with him? Uh, maybe one. Maybe <laughs> one. They don't like Kenny Galladay. Wandale Ro- Wandale Robinson, I think, is the rookie that they drafted. Um, yeah, yeah Galladay's like people were thinking he was going to get cut. Uh, which is ridiculous after signing that deal. Remember when Ravens fans wanted him? Yeah, look how that turned out, by the way. All right, so with the ninth pick in the 12th round of the 2022 UK Ravens podcast draft, Podlick Raven selects Kadarius Tony, wide receiver, New York Giants. And this just means it, it might get on the turn here. We'll see if Gaz pops up. Gaz is probably just going to take another running back, and that would probably be our Michael Carter slot, but we'll have to see. Apologies for... Indulging you people for the good last whatever six that's seven fantastic. minutes. That's fantastic. It's fantastic, and it's it's week one, and we got a lot of stuff to talk about, a lot of stuff that we want to go over. Um, I love that. I I really hope that now my only selection for this team isn't like a disastrous bust who plays four <laughs> games. So you go, Tony. Don't fight anybody. Uh, stay healthy and try to catch fifty passes, and that would be and that would be great for for me and my uh, ego drafting for a fantasy football team. All right. So the picks are in uh, for all three of us. I want to go over very quickly. Last week, we did our over-unders. I went big believer in the Ravens at over 10.5 wins for the season. A little bit of, uh, you know, sports book money may may have been placed on the Ravens over 10.5. My two co-hosts went with the slightly under 10.5, which is fine. I think they both like 10 wins for this team. Uh, Jason and I enjoy the Panthers at over 6.5. That's going to be put to the test week one uh, against the Cleveland Browns. And then all three of us in agreement about the Bears under six and a half. Uh, haven't made a decision on that yet, but might pull the trigger at that if the uh, if the price is, is is decent at under six and a half for the Bears. Any uh, any standout over under teams that you guys want to throw out here in case the listeners missed it last week? I uh, one I didn't address, but I do. I, the more I've been sitting on it, people are sleeping on the Kansas City Chiefs just because they want something new. They want uh, they want excitement. Um, but the Chiefs over-under is 10.5. The Chiefs aren't winning 11 games. They're not going to win that division. I know people, it might be harder than in past years, but the winner of the AC, AFC West is probably going to win at least 11 games. And if I think the Chiefs are going to be that team, I think Chiefs over 10.5 is an easy bet to make. You know, they, they don't have the longest odds, certainly, of making the Super Bowl. They're plus 1,000 uh, is the Super Bowl bet. But as you said, the Bills are are plus five ninety in the Vegas consensus over the Chiefs. The Chiefs are a better team. They they have Patrick Mahomes. He's a better player than Josh Allen. Uh, and you know, I know everyone's freaking out about them losing Tyreek Hill. Andy Reid is like fourth or fifth all time in NFL wins. He's gonna figure it out. Uh, they have a great team. They have a great infrastructure. I think they actually improved. Uh, some problem areas on their team. They, they, I, I really like their defensive draft picks. I just think people are just sleeping on the Chiefs because you, you don't. It's not exciting. It's not exciting to predict the Chiefs are going to win eleven or twelve games for like the seventh year in a row and make the AFC title game for the fifth straight year. But I still think they're. You know, this team should have won the Super Bowl last year. Frankly, they blew that game against the Bengals, uh, and they would have probably beaten the Rams or at least. Uh, I, I don't know. 
I stand a better chance uh, with Mahomes, I think. Uh, just pulling some magic out. Um, so I, I still think the Chiefs are the team to beat. They blew it, they blew it last year. That's going to make them angry. Uh, they'll be playing with a little fire. I just think they're getting slept on. So, yeah, Kansas City Chiefs, <laughs> not exciting. But uh, the more I, I looked at these over-unders and just Super Bowl odds and stuff, I don't think a lot of people are picking them because everyone wants it to be the Bills. Bills have never won the Super Bowl. Chiefs are still great, and they're going to be good again this year. I like it. I like it. Yeah, you get used to uh, a good thing, and then all of a sudden it seems not fun to continue to bet on <sighs> the best quarterback in the NFL at the moment. <laughs> all right. Uh I'm going to go through the random Raven one more time, and then we're going to get out of here. This random Raven was drafted by the team in the fourth round in 2016. He played in 12 games, starting none as a rookie, but averaged 4.3 yards per carry over 88 rushes and added 30 receptions. He then missed the entire 2017 season with a four-game suspension for PEDs paired with a torn meniscus in the summer before the season started. In 2018, he missed 10 games after getting injured in Week 1, but he did come back and play the final five games of the season and the playoff game against the, I think at the time, San Diego Chargers. And he averaged 5.6 yards per carry that season. After fracturing his knee in the 2019 preseason, he was waived from injured reserve with an injury settlement on September 16th. He ended his brief Ravens career averaging 4.8 yards per carry, but never played for another NFL team. This Louisiana Tech product wore the number 30. Who is this random Raven? I'm going to have to defer to Tim because I, I, I'm pulling nothing. I'm pulling I'm, a, I'm four, very proud of myself uh, I'm just for that. I'm pulling former random Ravens. Uh, I, I know wow. one guy it's not uh, who we've done before. But it's not so it's funny. I, I might know who this is because this is one of the guys. He reminds me of a Tyler Beatty and a Justice Hill combined. Where it was when he came in, everybody goes, oh, this guy. Like, oh, this guy could do some things. Wearing that number 30. This guy could be okay. And just never really had it. But then stuck on the team kind of not too long. Because I never want to say that about somebody's career. But, like, longer than you expected. This is one Kenneth Dixon. That is correct. That is this week's random Raven. Running back, Kenneth Dixon, who seemed to be very good with the I ball in his hands. I beat Chase! I beat Chase! Incredible. Really incredible. Uh, it's, a, it's a week one miracle. <laughs> but um, could not stay healthy, unfortunately, and eventually had an injury settlement with the Ravens. Signed a contract with the Jets, but seems to never have played uh, in a game for them, or may not have even made the roster. He may have been a practice squad guy. It was kind of unclear. Uh, played in Canada for um, about a year or two, um, but no more play in the NFL. Kenneth Dixon, um, good runner, couldn't stay healthy. And that's the random Raven this week. All right, guys, this was fun. Uh, love the episodes as we get going to the start of the season here. One of the longest ones that we've done in quite some time, but a lot to cover. Uh, and hopefully a strong first week, hopefully a win to get this Raven season started for Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens. I am Antonio Barbera. Thank you so much for listening to us. We will be back next week to recap the Jets game and to preview the Ravens' next opponent. Thank you so much for listening to us on Pod Like a Raven.
Wilson, you sent the game-winning email at the buzzer, avoiding a 4.55 meeting on everyone's calendar. How did you do it? I got a huge assist from Grammarly, an AI writing partner that helped me make my point. And it works everywhere I write. Summarizing a doc only took one click. When everyone uses Grammarly, everything just makes sense. Go to Grammarly.com slash podcast to download it for free. That's Grammarly.com slash podcast. Easier said, done. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.